Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, we have done it. We have recorded three shows in a row. Oh my goodness. And even though I'm battling a pounding headache right now, and I'm trying to get to bed early, so please, Logan, in the future, please, like, an hour in the future, I please tell me in an hour in the future that you are done recording this show. And I hope and pray that this show is below an hour, because I don't know, at the the rate I'm going right now, and the amount of sleep I'm getting, and the amount of how long each show has been recently, and the videos that we've been doing, I don't know if I could take another late night, because I'm going to start, I might just start doing this in general, I might just start a thing called five hour gang, like you get five hour energy, but we get five hours of sleep. And I don't really take naps that well, so I run on five hours of sleep almost every freaking day. It's fantastic. This weekend, I tried to sleep in, couldn't, because we had jobs to do on Saturday. Then I had the excitement of the first NFL game, which we'll get to- well, my, the, Okay, we'll get into that in a little bit, because that's another reason why I had a pounding headache this morning. But let's start off with what made the weekend awesome. Week two of the college football season, or I get... It's, te- it's week two, right? Because the first week when we had like Nebraska, Illinois, and all those games, that was technically week zero, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's technically week zero. So week two, we had the Iowa-Iowa State game. Oh my goodness, did we have the Iowa State game this weekend. <laughs> six in a row. Iowa has beaten Iowa State six consecutive years. This is ridiculous. Paul Rhodes beat Iowa. Matt Campbell has not beaten Iowa in six attempts, or five attempts, or something. Six attempts, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I try. I know they didn't play last year. I don't know how the exact numbers on there. I believe it's six. But good freaking Lord. Jordan Bohannon, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Jordan Bohannon was tweeting out about how Iowa and Iowa, they're just about the game in general. It's always a Hawkeye State, something like that. George Niang said, you haven't you been in college in 20 years? Which is the funny thing. Jordan Bohannon feels like he's been in college for like a half a century. Like, if you think of Iowa basketball, unsurprisingly, your first player is going to be the... Well, I guess you have like, you know, Andrew Brummer. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm struggling. Or Adam Haleska. Okay. Jake Kelly. Players like that. Coley Payne. Like, the greats of Iowa basketball, you know. But Jordan Bohannon... Because of his longevity, he's been there for so freaking long. I don't even remember when his freshman year was. He's still at Iowa, and to my knowledge, ever since he's been on the campus at the University of Iowa, Iowa has not lost Iowa State in football. That could be wrong, but that's just how I'm kind of viewing it right now, because I think that's accurate. I don't know exactly when Jordan Bohannon came there, because again, he's been there forever. When does college stop getting quote-unquote fun? When you reach a certain age, shouldn't you stop being like, okay, I should probably just go on with my life and stop living in my college life even though I'm 30 years old? I don't know. Because it feels like he's going to be there forever. And I don't know what expectations for Iowa basketball this year. Obviously, you lost Luka Garza and Joe Wieskamp. Huge losses, both to the NBA. Wish them nothing but success at the next level. But back to the Iowa State game. Good freaking lord. That scoreline... 27 to, 27 to 17 does not do that game justice. Iowa dominated Iowa State. And I'm not saying Iowa dominated on the offensive side of the ball. 
No, Iowa's offense did not play amazing. They just did enough to win. Iowa State got utterly brutalized on the offensive side of the ball by Iowa's defense. Brock Purdy, what they were saying from what my dad was telling me, because we were in we were at Smash Park in West Des Moines, then we transitioned to the Drought House in downtown Des Moines to watch the game. I didn't really hear what the announcers were saying, for the most part. My dad was saying it was some sort of injury, and then it was a... Turns out, it wasn't anything like extremely serious. It was an ego bruise. He suffered a bruised ego and had to get taken out of the game. In the past two weeks, against two good quarterbacks... Iowa has pulled both of them. Michael Penix and Brock Purdy. This is Brock Purdy. This is Remember when we made fun of Jake, Jason McIntyre for having a top 10 pick or top 25 pick a few years like last year? This is why you don't listen to Jason McIntyre. I've tried to tell people this. Don't listen to Jason McIntyre. Okay? <laughs> don't do that because you'll have stuff like this. Brock Purdy is the and I can say that I don't really feel weird about this. I know Seneca Wallace had a fantastic legacy at Iowa State, but Brock Purdy's the greatest Iowa State quarterback of all time. I think most people can agree on that. He has reached heights at Iowa State that no other quarterback can even really come close to. I say the top three quarterbacks in Iowa State history in college are Brock Purdy, Seneca Wallace, Brett Meyer. I know Sage Rosenfels gets kind of like the rose-tinted glasses on him because he played a while in the NFL. In college, Brett Meyer was the better quarterback. I remember watching Brett Meyer when I was a kid. It was him versus Drew Tate when Iowa State had those weird, (laughs) really bright red uniforms. They were kind of transitioning from when they had navy blue in their stuff, which I really liked the navy blue. They should bring the navy blue back because I really liked the navy blue stuff with Seneca Wallace. Then you went to... Red and yellow, strictly red and yellow, and then you start inter- in implementing yellow pants, and then you change your logo to what it is now, and then you've obviously changed changed uniforms even further. There's a big old spider on my wall. Hold on, people of the world, we're gonna have to do a murder real quick, and that dude is, as far as I know, dead. <laughs> but that's the problem, because I don't know where he is. And he could come back at any time to exact his revenge on me. So we're going to keep a lookout on him. He was just crawling on my wall. Had to, had to murk him real quick. Oh, man, I, can't, I kind of forgot where we, <laughs> where we were at. Oh, Brock Purdy, though. Three interceptions in this game against Iowa. Pulled in the fourth quarter. Pulled in the third. They were warming him up in the third quarter. I don't remember exactly when they pulled him. I just remember being this big spectacle at Drought House when Brock Purdy was pulled. And not only did Brock Purdy put on a horror show against Iowa, Brees Hall fumbled. Brees Hall not only fumbled, it was a fumble that got scooped and scored by Iowa. These are their two best players. And Brees Hall, ultimately, he had 69 yards, LOL, and a touchdown. We could probably chalk him up for two touchdowns because it's like the pick six thing where we like to have fun with it where it's like, okay, you might not get credited for the touchdown, but your throw or fumble led to the touchdown. So we will count that for you. But man, Iowa's defense is legit. Their offense still scares me. I'm not the biggest Spencer Petrus fan that's been well, 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 well documented on this show. And Spencer Petrus, to somewhat of his credit, <laughs> had the best throw he's ever had at Iowa to Charlie Jones. I think it was in the second quarter. 
I can't remember. It was a post route that Spencer Peters threw on a freaking dime. I've never seen him look so good as a quarterback. And he went 11 for 21 with 106 yards. And this, I think, was his best game because <laughs> he had his best throw. And I texted a few Iowa people throughout the game. And most everybody pretty much agreed with it. Because there's not been a lot of great throws by Spencer Peters. He has shown off his arm talent thousands of times. And he's only played at Iowa for a year and two games. And he's shown it off thousands of times how strong his arm is. Not accurate, but it's strong. It's like just a freaking cannon. Line that thing up and fire it. But man, Iowa's defense. Iowa's ranked fifth in the AP poll. If you would have told me that going into the season, I would have called you freaking insane. Iowa is ranked fifth in the college football AP top 25. (laughs) That is ridiculous. And Iowa State dropped to 14. And I watched after the Iowa State game. We got back home. went to Spaghetti Works for dinner. Got back home. Turned on the UNI-Sacramento State game. That game started about 8 o'clock on Saturday. And the offense in the first half, like it has been for all of 2021 since they played in the spring... Dead, pretty much. Now, they had some sort of a running game in this game, which was really, really nice to see, or some sort. This is the best rushing attack you and I's had in a while. Dom Williams ran for 105 yards in this game. They had 234 rush yards in the game. That is crazy for how bad their rush offense has been in 2021, even in 2020 or 2019 when they had their last regular football season. And at halftime... It was 9-7 in favor of Sacramento State. Will McIlvain had seven passing yards. Seven. Two for six, seven yards passing. And I like Will McIlvain a lot. I've practiced with him before. I've interviewed him. I've talked to him. I really like Will. But I think after watching that game, he's not the starter anymore at UNI. It is Theo Day's job. Theo Day came in on his first completion, had more passing yards than Will did in an entire half. On his first completion. You and I, at the end of the third quarter, after being down 9-7, was up 34-9. After one quarter, they scored 27 unanswered points in the third quarter and won the game freaking 34-16. Theo Day provided that spark the offense needed. This is the best you and I's offense has looked in a while. And they have the weapons to do it. You have some insane wide receivers on this UNI Panthers team. Isaiah Weston, Quan Hampton, and Deion McShane are beasts out wide. Quan Hampton scored a touchdown against Iowa State. And then you had Isaiah Weston scoring against Sac State with a great catch and run. Quan Hampton scored a touchdown in this game as well. Theo Day, when he came in, the arm talent is just ridiculous. He is a completely different style quarterback to Will McElveen. For those of you who don't watch you and I Panther football, and I'm assuming that's most of you, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, could, I, I don't know a lot of you and I Panthers fans. I went to you and I, I filmed games for you and I, I did a radio show with you and I's play-by-play announcer. I did another show and still go on the show with a guy that writes stories about the you and I Panthers and does a radio show up in Cedar Falls still. But Theo Day is a six foot five something quarterback, not the most mobile quarterback ever, but has a hose for an arm. He's a former three star quarterback who went over to Michigan State. And I texted our fantasy football group checks. It's a lot of Iowa State fans and a lot of very passionate Iowa State fans. 
And I brought this up to them. And this might be a controversial take. I don't really believe it is, but I, it might be. If Theo Day, after watching what happened against Sacramento State, played against Iowa State, I think you and I won. Wins the game. And I had one of my friends say something like, I don't think there's a quarterback that can move the ball against you and I, or against Iowa State's defense, in my opinion. I mean, you and I lost by six points. And Will threw two bad interceptions. Theo Day came in and lit up the offense. And it's, I talked about this going into the Iowa State game for you and I. You didn't really know how long Will's leash was going to be. We knew it was short, okay? We knew the leash for Will McElvain was shorter than it was last year. Last year, he came into the season, or I keep saying last year, in the spring, he came in as the unquestioned starter. He played well in 2019. He was the second best freshman quarterback in college football behind the guy that got drafted third overall by the 49ers, Trey Lance. Until Trey Lance's last throw in the national championship game against James Madison, Will McElvain would lead the nation in passing yards for a freshman. Trey Lance's last throw passed Will McElvain for passing yards as a freshman. So sophomore year, we're expecting a big jump. You and I is preseason ranked third. That was huge. Will's coming in the best quarterback preseason in the Missouri Valley Conference. Or Missouri Valley Football Conference, because I guess they are two technically different things. Missouri Valley Conference for basketball, you have like Drake, Evansville, Valparaiso. For the football conference, you have North Dakota State, South Dakota State, North Dakota. Like, the teams are different, even though they're generally under the same names. There's the football conference and the basketball conference, okay? Preseason ranked third. And then you look at the home schedule, and it's every single game was lined up perfectly for you and I at home. Every tough game they played, apart from the first game of the season against Iowa, was at home, at the Unidome. And for a good you and I Panthers team, that place would have been rocking. And I've talked about before how I feel kind of bad going to games there and seeing how many people are not there. Because nobody really... There's some people... I'm not going to say nobody does. There's just not a lot of people that grow up you and I Panthers fans. So you grow up either Iowa or Iowa State, okay? Especially around Des Moines. You are Iowa or Iowa State. That is it. I would say at Johnston, there is a lot more Iowa State fans, or just more Iowa State fans than Iowa fans. But you have those. No one, I think I knew one person that was a UNI Panther fan. And he was even a loose UNI Panther fan. No one grows up UNI Panthers fan. Again, I said no one. Not a lot of people grow up UNI Panthers fans. So when you're at UNI and you have the opportunity to go to an Iowa game, an Iowa State game, or a UNI game where they're playing Youngstown State, you're going to choose Iowa or Iowa State more, more often than not. I went to almost every UNI football game, and I enjoyed the, those games, but there's not a lot of people there. For how big the stadium is, it's not like massive. I think it's like 18,000 or something like that. I bet it gets 10, maybe, maybe 12. It doesn't get filled, and the stands don't do themselves any favors. They're not the color of the team. They're red, yellow, and blue. It's not really the most, this is the Panthers' house. (laughs) This is a fortress. You look up in the stands, it's not even the same color as the team. You can tell there's no one there. Like, at least make the seats purple. Like, just so you can go, okay, yeah, there's not a lot of people here. (laughs) Not... Nowhere near the team. I guess he got yellow, but red and blue? Nah. Nah. But 
a good Panther team against, at the time, they were going to play North Dakota State, like the third or fourth game of the year at home. Trey Lance, a top five quarterback in the 2021 NFL Draft, was going to be in Cedar Falls. The reigning national champions, you and I was going to play Iowa, and then a top 10 ranked Weber, Weber State, and then North Dakota State, the number one ranked team in the nation. Weber State and North Dakota State both at home. South Dakota State was at home. Like you look at all the big teams they had at home. You had NFL draft e- draftable players on this team. Spencer Brown went to the draft. Ellerson Smith went to the draft. Then you had a bunch of people transfer. Xavier Williams transferred to Iowa. Uh, Brinkman transferred to Nebraska, I believe. I think it was Brinkman. No, Chris Klarevic transferred to... Oh, I'm, I might be mixing the two up. But one of them transferred to Nebraska. And you have one of the best corners in college football, not just FCS or FBS. Omar Brown is a beast. You have an insane wide receiver core. Briley Moore, he left for Kansas State. You had an awesome, awesome team. And then COVID came, and it affected everybody. I'm not saying it affected just the UNI Panthers, but they were affected a lot by that. (laughs) And they go into the spring, which was BS completely and just random, just off topic. That was BS that they had to play in the spring. And then a week or two before the season starts, their offense coordinator takes a job with the Packers. And the offense subsequently struggles this spring. You have a new offensive coordinator who was, he was working, he was the quarterback's coach, Sean Watson, but he didn't get to implement his offense. Will and the offense did not play good in the spring. Will had COVID during certain parts of the spring, so he missed a game or two. Fomby came in to start at quarterback for those games, played all right, didn't do enough to pressure Will. But Will did not play great. And the offensive line didn't play great. They had no running game. Isaiah Weston was battling some injuries. They were struggling offensively. We know you're getting from Mark Farley defensively. That's never a question. Offensively, struggled mightily. So going into the fall, Will had a leash, a very short one, especially with VO Day transferring in from Michigan State. Will's the starter week one, plays well enough because it's hard. you're playing the number seven ranked team in the FBS. Do you pull your starting quarterback for throwing two interceptions against the number seven team of the FBS? Is number seven an FCS? Yes. FBS makes it a tiny bit more difficult. Because no one, like you and Iowa State was favored by 31 points for some bizarre reason, but nonetheless, they were favored by 31 points. You and I was not supposed to win that game. So you go in, obviously they're going to have the mindset, oh, we can win, we can win. Anybody can be beaten on their day. They're human just like we are. But you, don't, you can't go in like, okay, we're going to get beat. Will's going to lose a starting job off this game. Unless he threw 10 interceptions, he was going to start against Sac State. But I think if Theo Day did play against Iowa State, that passing offense would have woken up because Will can have some inconsistencies. A lot more athletic than Theo Day. And he has a really strong arm, just not as strong as Theo Day. It's not really saying his arm isn't strong. Theo just has a really strong arm. But I really think they could have beaten him. And we might be looking at Iowa State a little bit differently going into this next game. I don't even remember who they play. But we'd be looking at them a little bit differently going 0-2 to the UNLV game in Vegas that we do right now at 1-1, ranked 14th. They played a really good Iowa team, really good defensive Iowa team. But losing to UNI Week 1, I think, was a real possibility if Theo Day started. Now, this is just off a half. 
So maybe I'm overreacting, but after watching the little bit of Iowa, Iowa, State, Iowa you and I, or geez, you and I, Iowa State, I think they would have won if Theo Day started. They won by six points with Will throwing two interceptions, two not good interceptions at all. You've seen some of the throws Theo Day made against Sac State, and Sacramento State's not the upper echelon of FCS football. But there were some throws that Theo Dade made in that game that Will can't. And I like, again, I like Will a lot. As a person, as a competitor, I don't think there's a lot more competitive people than Will McIlvain. I just think Theo Dade is the better quarterback after watching Sac State's game. And a half, he had seven yards and seven points. In a quarter, Theo Dade threw up 27 points. And they were up 34-9 going into the fourth. Iowa State... And I'm trying to be as kind of neutral about this as possible. For bringing back everybody, this team is not that good. At least early. They played bad against Iowa. 27-17 was a pity touchdown scored at the end of the game. Which should have never happened. My dad texted me and was pissed off that they allowed them to score a touchdown. Saying Hayden Fry would never do that stuff like that. That was not... The game was over. Iowa State fans were going out in their droves leaving the game. That game was done. And myself and my friends, we were having a good time. But man, they played bad. Like, very bad. This is... I want to make sure I uh, catch myself here and make sure I don't want to stumble over my words. It felt like Paul Rhodes was coaching them. <laughs> That's it. And Matt Campbell shits on Paul Rhodes as a coach. Easily craps on Paul Rhodes. But Paul Rhodes, for some odd reason, could beat Iowa. I'll never understand that. Paul Rhodes beat Iowa. I would say Matt Campbell's a thousand times better coach than Gene Chizik, who walked into a gold mine at Auburn. Somehow the hell he went from Iowa State to Auburn is beyond me. I'll never understand that one. Matt Campbell's a better coach than both of them. He can't beat Iowa. I don't know what it is. Like, there's got to be a point where this game is... They, they It has to happen. I went into this game going, I think Iowa will cover. I think Iowa State will win. I think it's been too long. Matt Campbell will finally get his win over Iowa. It just won't happen. <laughs> and realistically, this team could be 0-2. 0-2 losing to UNI and Iowa... We'd have to check up on some Iowa State friends here. We had to check up on some of them on Saturday and going into Sunday. Good Lord. The expectations were so high. You're ranked 7th. I was ranked 18th. Preseason, I'm pretty sure they were 8-point favorites in this game. And then it went to 4.5. And, and then Iowa... Again, the score doesn't prove, show how bad it was. Iowa missed some chance. They should have had 30 points. The first quarter, it was a terrible snap and missed the field goal. Like, Iowa should have won by more in this game. They've had two quarterbacks, top-tier quarterbacks. These are Michael Penix and Brock Purdy are not scrub quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination. Michael Penix, I think, what was wrong with him, I'm going to be devil, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for Indiana. I think Michael Penix was in a different realm where 
he's playing for the first time on a torn ACL. He just had torn ACL last year. It's the first time playing on it since he got the injury. So I think there was a little bit of a mental blockage there where he was like kind of nervous to run because he's a very mobile quarterback. And you took away his running ability and Indiana was pretty much rendered helpless against Iowa. And in both games, Iowa's offense did not play amazing. Spencer Petras played better against Iowa State than Indiana. That's not saying a lot. If Spencer Petras just plays average, Iowa will be a really, really good team. You look at the rest of Iowa's schedule, it's not like an insane murderer's row of games. There are some very tough games in here. Like you play Penn State and then at Wisconsin, which is always a rivalry game, trophy involved. Always going to be a tough game. But you look at the rest of these games. Kent State, Colorado State, Maryland, Penn State, Purdue, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska. You started off the season extremely tough. Two top 25 teams and one of them was a top 10 team. That's tough. You have every right to go in and play Kent State and Central Colorado, geez, Colorado State in week four. Maryland should not be any issues. Penn State will be issues, obviously. Purdue should not be any issues. Wisconsin, they'll have some problems there. Northwestern, I they shouldn't have problems there, but Northwestern's been one of those bogey teams for Iowa. Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska should kill all of those teams. I don't I'm not worried about any of those three teams. Nebraska's playing freaking Oklahoma this week. Good look, how bad do we think that game's gonna be? I'm not saying Oklahoma's played the greatest football they've ever played at the start of the season, but they will murder Nebraska. Oh my goodness. And this weekend, had a lot of fun assault college football this week. Uh, my friend Tom, one of my child, one of my longest friends, he messaged me Wednesday night or Thursday night to help him or bait that help him get tell him <laughs> what games to pick for uh this. He's doing some thing with his family where they're doing a Yahoo sports betting thing where you're just trying to pick you're no money involved to my knowledge or there's some money involved like entry fee and stuff like that and anything you money any more money you make after that if you get above a certain percentage is house money pretty much so we went into this he just sent me a crap ton of games I think there's like I don't know how many games I haven't counted all the games but I just had to go through mark off which games I thought would cover and which games I didn't and there was a tiebreaker thing at the end so for my picks Coast Carolina Kansas obviously I mean Kansas sucks ass. They barely beat South Dakota, who's not... They're, they're kind of a... How do I want to explain South Dakota for all of you FCS fans? South Dakota is basically Northwestern. They're competitive. Sometimes they'll be good, but most of the time they're around 500. But there are those random odd years where they get like nine wins, and you're like, how the hell was that happening? Like, Northwestern going to the Big Ten Championship. South Dakota has random-ass years like that. You and I, just a few years ago, they ranked like third in the nation. You and I beat them at the Interdome. That was the day uh, Iowa beat Ohio State because I was at the UNI-South Dakota game because I got I got recruited by South Dakota. So it's like, oh, well, let's go up to UNI, watch South Dakota versus UNI game. And then Iowa shit stumps, genetically jackhammers, ass pounds, whatever you want to call it, Ohio State. <laughs> and just crazy game but we were at the UNI South Dakota game so it was a big time blowout or big time upset there as well no storm in the field for some reason I don't I don't know why I think more people are probably interested in Ohio State Iowa but that's just that's yeah they're just a yo-yo team pretty much 
they you don't know really what to expect for South Dakota going into the season, but Kansas should beat them. And Coastal Carolina shit on, like, pretty much expected. Virginia had them covering against Illinois, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. Bullshit! Oklahoma State didn't cover. Terrible game. Screw Oklahoma State. Went in by freaking five points against Tulsa. Now, Oklahoma State did not cover themselves in glory week one when they barely beat Missouri State. So, you know what I said about South Dakota State? So, or South Dakota. South Dakota and Missouri State are both the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Missouri State is ass. They are bad. So I didn't, <laughs> I did not go into that game and go, oh, I just saw Oklahoma State. I really like Spencer Sanders. So I would like, I'll pick Oklahoma State. Didn't even look at their week one game because I looked at who Tulsa beat week one or lost to. They lost to UC Davis, who is a good FCS team historically. But I didn't look at Oklahoma State's. If I looked at Oklahoma State's, I would have had a completely different mindset. Go, wow, you beat Missouri State. The fighting Bobby Petrino's by seven points, <laughs> Missouri State usually has no more than two wins. And one of those wins is against Western Illinois, who is always either one, zero to one wins every year. There's a very odd, small chance they ever get above one win in a season. Missouri State gets one win a year guaranteed because they're better than Western Illinois. That's it. And if I saw that, I might have changed my pick on that when I picked Oklahoma State to cover 13 points there. Miami, Ohio, they covered against Minnesota. Could give yourself a round of applause. Ohio State did not against Oregon. That was a, a shit show. Ohio State defense is not that good. At least these first two games, they struggled against Minnesota, showed up late. We talked about Harrison and Haskell Garrett. Forgot, forgot two of their players there. Making big plays against Minnesota late in the game. That did not happen against Oregon. C.J. Stroud, who I had ranked second, remember we talked about on Friday, we had the argument with the dude on Twitter, did not play great. Statistically, he had a nice game. 484 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Fine game. But he missed a lot of receivers. He went 35-54 in the game. He missed a lot of receivers. Early in the game, too. Like, your first drive, they were driving. Then he threw one over the head of, I think, Garrett Wilson, and then he missed another receiver when they went for it on fourth down. No offense to Oregon. Without Kayvon Thibodeau, I did not really... And they had another player out as well, but I don't remember who it was. And having Anthony Brown at quarterback, I did not really have the highest expectations going into this game for Oregon. Ohio State was a, what, 13... 14 and a half, not 13 and a half, 14 and a half point favorite against Oregon. And, man, Oregon just played really good. And Oregon, rightfully, is ranked fourth now. Oregon is a good team. I don't necessarily rate A.J. Brown, or Anthony Brown, sorry, the highest quarterback ever. But I like C.J. Verdell, the running back for Oregon. Smaller dude, but he put on a show against Ohio State. 161 yards, two touchdowns. Man, big loss. I think they're 0-23 going into this game, Oregon versus Ohio State. And go into the horseshoe and beat up on Ohio State. That's another game where the scoreline does not show how bad that game was. Oregon had its way with Ohio State for most of the game. That game wasn't really that close, even though it was a one-score game. There were times Ohio State would go down and score, like, oh, it's going to be a game. And then Oregon would score. And then Ohio State would do something stupid on offense, and then Oregon would score again. And then Ohio State had to make up ground, and then Oregon would score. It was just a big yo-yo game. C.J. Stroud, his interception was bad 
That was a very bad interception for C.J. Stroud. And I'll have to adjust the Heisman thing because it, it's going to be hard looking at last week's Heisman thing. I'll release that on Wednesday like we did last time. But it's hard to judge because I said it to the dude that I think Spencer Rattler will eventually jump C.J. Stroud. I think it's inevitable. But Rattler played Mercer. Or not Mercer. Uh, Western Carolina? Who did Oklahoma play? Scroll through my list of teams here. Because I got... It's not... Or, yeah, Western Carolina. They didn't even have a line in the game, so they covered, surprisingly. They had a good game. I mean, it's against Western Carolina. Still number one quarterback in the draft class, but you look at the other quarterbacks around him, Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati did not play amazing this weekend. You look at Matt Corral, they played nobody. DJU didn't play anybody. Sam Howell had a good game. He showed off how strong of an arm he has this weekend. But no one really did anything. Though Stroud did not play well, though he put up a lot of stats against Oregon, did not play well, he might just stay at two. Or I just might, by default, move Rattler above him because that game was not good. And I think eventually Rattler will pass him. Do I just do it by default? Because Rattler's going to have a shit, <laughs> insane game against Nebraska. At least one would suspect. But Ohio State uh, did not cover and did not cover themselves in glory in that game either. Next one, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Pitt covered. Three and a half points covered there. Auburn against Alabama State. No spread. They covered. Florida did not cover against South Florida. They gave up a big punt return late. And that kind of screwed up the entire thing. Emory Jones got benched against USF. And their backup quarterback, who I don't know if he's going to start the rest of the season. I don't know what their situation is at quarterback. I Emory Jones didn't play amazing week one. I didn't know he was that close to getting benched. And against UCF, a team or USF, the team they were beating... 35-3 to at halftime, I did not think, not only did Emory Jones get benched, but I didn't think that South Florida would score 17 points and make it a, a game to a certain extent. But Anthony Richardson, the QB that came in, 152 passing yards, two touchdowns, 115 rushing yards. He had an 80-yard touchdown run. So, yeah. And Emory Jones did not, his, he had thrown two interceptions in the game. They were not good. They're very bad. If we're talking about anticipatory throws, Emory Jones was not doing that. Emory Jones was like locking. He was. He must have watched Spencer Petras film last year. Locked in on one receiver, snapped the ball, dropped back, eyes locked, threw it. Terrible passes from Emory Jones. And I like Emory Jones a lot, but I don't think after watching 152 yards, two touchdowns passing, and a 115 rushing with a touchdown, he had three pass attempts and four rush attempts. It's not like he was doing a crap ton of plays. No. He had a lot, or very little, of passing and rushing attempts and put up a lot of yards. And he lost his helmet, so Emory Jones had to come back in for parts of the game. But I don't know what they're going to do next week. I'm not sure. Who's Florida playing next week? Just scroll down here real quick. They're playing Alabama. So, <laughs> whoever you play at quarterback next week is, they're going to have some problems. And Richardson's a freshman. Do you want to send him... Playing Alabama, I mean, it's at the Swamp, so that'll be fun, but... Yeah, they did not cover. That was very disappointing. Northern Illinois, hell no, they did not cover. They got their ass kicked by Wyoming. They were seven-point underdogs. Like, oh, Northern Illinois, I'll go with Rocky Lombardi, the Iowa kid. I'll go with him. They did not. Got destroyed. Moving on. Not talking about them anymore. Virginia Tech, did they cover against Middle Tennessee State? Let's check. Because I didn't check that one. They were 20-point favorites, and they won by... Enough. Yes, 21 points. They won. They covered. Good job, Virginia Tech. I like you guys. Notre Dame, hell no, they did not cover against Toledo. That was one 
In hindsight, I should have seen better. Notre Dame did not play well against Florida State towards the end of the game. And Florida State just lost to freaking Jacksonville State. And Notre Dame barely beat them. And then Notre Dame barely beat Toledo. So Notre Dame dropped to 12. They keep dropping because they barely beat teams they should beat. They dropped four spots against beating Toledo at home after barely beating Florida State just lost to Jacksonville State. Yeah, they should drop just for not covering alone. Colorado, that was one of my locks. Felt good about that one. Colorado, Texas A&M, 17-point underdog over the Colorado Buffaloes. Good team. Covered. Nice. Penn State versus Ball State, 22-and-a-half points. The Nittany Lions, did they cover? They did. There's another one. So we got another one correct. Georgia versus UAB. Yeah, but easy. Cal versus TCU, covered. 11-and-a-half-point underdogs, covered. Cincinnati versus Murray State, no line. Air Force Navy, 5-and-a-half was the line. Covered. Navy stinks. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Navy's in a weird place right now. I really like Navy football, but they've been struggling recently. Florida Atlantic, the next team we have on here, did they cover? They did. Nice. They were seven-point favorites. They covered. Alabama covered against Mercer, obviously. Iowa covered against Iowa State. Clemson covered against South Carolina State. Miami, they did not cover against Appalachian State. Sucked, but they didn't cover. Oklahoma Covered against Western Carolina. There was no line there. Wisconsin versus Eastern Michigan. It was a 20... <laughs> I hate these big lines. Why do I... Why do I go with these big lines? Because they cover. That's why... No, they didn't. Okay. You know what? We're not gonna... <sighs> yeah, the line was... Or wait, did they? Math's not my strong point. 26. They did. They won by 27. They covered. <laughs> they covered. Never mind. Memphis versus Arkansas State. The game... The cover was at five. Do you like how I'm just doing this now? I haven't checked all these yet. I don't know exactly how much we got right. The cover was five for Memphis, Arkansas State. They won by exactly five. Good job, Memphis, against Arkansas State. Texas did not cover against Arkansas. That's one I wish I, I, wish I could take back because yeah, Texas ain't back. Texas definitely ain't back. And they failed their SEC entry exam. And Arkansas, I in the fantasy football group chat, like we said, there's a lot of Iowa State fans there. And I made sure to say, Iowa State fans and the team might be down bad right now, but Arkansas is dancing on Texas's grave. They're shallow grave. They didn't have time to dig six feet deep. They just <laughs> buried a two-foot shallow deep and threw Texas lifeless corpse into the hole and are dancing. They're doing Fortnite dances on top of this thing. They had horns down signs on the Jumbotron. They had a, a full meme for the end of the game where it was like, not today. That was made up. We made it up. That was written. Someone made it up. That meme, they had that. Where it was in, in, spliced in between like, we're back. The cringiest post-game thing ever. Sam Ellinger's we're back thing when Texas, I think, won the Cotton Bowl. I don't remember, I don't remember what bowl they won. Don't really care. And then they said, you did not pass. Or something like that to the SEC. Good freaking lord. I became an Arkansas fan. I already had a nice relationship with the Arkansas because of the Dick brothers, Casey and Nathan Dick. Two legendary quarterbacks. Like, how many quarterbacks have thrown a lead block against LSU with Darren McFadden as their running back? Not a lot of them. Exactly. Casey Dick did that. And to make it better, he was number 11. Okay? This makes it even more beautiful. But Arkansas, they killed Texas. NC State versus Mississippi State. The line was two and a half. Did they cover Logan? They did 
Not. They lost. Okay, that was very nice. Very, very nice. They did not cover against Mississippi State. <laughs> North Carolina, I believe they covered against Georgia State. I'm not going to try and look up all these. Kentucky versus Missouri. These close ones, I want to try and look up a little bit more because I don't know if they did or not. Kentucky versus Missouri, did they cover? They were, they won by seven. How much did they cover? Five. Yes, they covered. <laughs> Mississippi State covered against Austin P. Michigan killed Washington. They got that one. San Diego State, they were one-point favorites at the time against Arizona. I think it became a – I think it flipped. I think Arizona was ultimately favored in that game. And San Diego State won. Yeah, good call, Logan. We got, And they covered anyways, even if they were underdogs or not. BYU beat the breaks off Utah. They won. Arizona State did not do as well against UNLV as I thought. They were 33.5-point favorites, which scared me, but I thought they'd win 42-7. to And then Stanford, I had them covering, yes – so I had Stanford covering. There were 17-point favorites. Didn't think USC would beat them by 17. But you, the tiebreaker was predict the score of these games. UNLV, Arizona State, Stanford, USC. I had UNLV, Arizona State, like I said, 42-7, Arizona State. I had 24-10, USC, Stanford. Do you want me to read you the score of USC, Stanford? No, you don't, because it hurts my feelings to say this out loud. 42-28. They were 21-10 at halftime. The score I predicted for the end of the game was 24 to 10. They were 21 to 10 at halftime, Stanford. So on one hand, yeah, they were covering. I mean, one, we got it. I mean, they covered, but we lost the tiebreaker. We came second in this freaking pool. I say we. It's like a it's like NWA. Tom is easy. He has all the money. He's putting the money forward to make this big. I'm Ice Cube. I'm doing actual I'm doing all the work here. <laughs> I'm doing the work, but he's got the money. And he's got the fee, the entry. I do not have that by myself, but I'll be I'll do all the work for you because I, this is nice. <laughs> I like this partnership. To a certain extent, then I get pissed off and diss him on a make a weird betting diss track. But yeah, we came second. That that um I texted him this morning and I said, Man, that uh that Stanford shit stomping or ass pounding USC did not help the score prediction. Who would score the most points this week was another uh, tiebreaker you had. I had Ole Miss scoring the most points this week, and Ole Miss scored 54. I mean, Auburn in the same conference scored 62, so that was already wrong, but I didn't expect that. I didn't expect them to score 62 points. I thought Ole Miss would score more against Austin Peay, but they didn't. And then who would have scored the fewest points? I had USF or Mercer. USF got shit-stomped week one. Mercer was playing Alabama. I mean, you can expect that from me. I had UAB, but ended up scoring seven. I should have just gone Auburn and Alabama State. Why did I not do that? 62 points and zero. I think that might have been the most points scored this week, so I think it's just FBS. Let's see. 62 points. Did any, Okay, Boise State scored 54. Alabama 48. Georgia 56. Oklahoma 76. Okay, I did not see Oklahoma. I should have just done the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma versus Western Carolina, 76 to zero. <laughs> Spencer Rattler threw five touchdown passes. 243 yards, five touchdowns. It's against Western Western Carolina Catamounts. If you know what the hell that is, message me because I don't know what that is. Oklahoma, unsurprisingly, disperses or destroys Western Carolina, and they're going to destroy another FCS team next week when they play Nebraska. So, man. But I love college football. College football's back. Iowa State was fun. Loved it. You and I versus Sac State was fun. You and I got another fun game next week for you. They're playing St. Thomas at home. They're finally back in the Unidome. Should be an easy enough game for the UNI Panthers this week. They play at 4 on ESPN3 if you want to watch it. 
first Missouri, Fo- Missouri Valley football conference game is the 2nd of October against Youngstown State. So we got a little bye week before conference play, but October 9th at North Dakota State, at South Dakota State on October 23rd, at Illinois State. All the tough teams are playing on the road and then at Missouri State. So you, you, you should be able to beat up on Missouri State because, like we said, it's Missouri State. And then you play Western Illinois last week of the year. So you're going to, hopefully, by this point, UNI is in the playoffs. So they could coast in the playoffs and not have really any injury history. Or, or hopefully, the last time they made it in the playoffs, they were battling a crap ton of injuries. They were playing with an insanely weakened receiving core, I guess we could call it. Once they entered the playoffs last year, but hey, they still made it pretty far, and they ran into a buzzsaw known as James Madison, didn't cross the 50-yard line until the fourth quarter with like 10 seconds left. So it was beautiful times last time they were in the playoffs, but they should be able to do it again. I mean, Mark Farley always has a good defense out there. The offense just needs to get going in this week in Sac State. Over 200 yards rushing. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw him have over 50 yards rushing. Now they had 230-something yards rushing as a team. And then Theo Day with the cannon arm throwing all over the place. It's exciting. Now, he's just looks like two completely different quarterbacks. Will's like 5'10", Theo Day's 6'5". Will's a lot more athletic than Theo Day, but Theo's got a stronger arm. Will's got a strong arm as well, but Theo's got a stronger arm. But college football is fun. Had a good weekend for college football. William Penn even won in overtime this week, 45-44. So that was awesome too. And then the NFL came, and then uh, that kind of kind of crapped on what was a relatively good weekend. Hung out with some friends yesterday, watched Iowa State, and yeah, just terrible day. Sunday sucked ass, good lord. Why does Sunday, why does Sunday stink? Why did this day have to happen? You had, I had such a good weekend. I was living life to the fullest. We had a good show on Friday. We had fun this on Saturday. Woke up Sunday morning with a big old smile on my face knowing Bill's football is back. And, yeah, uh, just got double birded right in the face because watching the Bills-Steelers game, I wanted to gouge my, gouge my freaking eyes out. If you want to watch non-existent offensive play, watch that game. Now, I know that I am said that in jest. It's week one. I'm not really too worried about the Buffalo Bills. You played a really good Steelers defense. The offense just looked like Josh Allen's rookie here. The offensive line got beaten up by the Steelers pass rush. TJ Watt, and then having... How Melvin Ingram lasted in free agency as long as he did, I don't understand it. He was a beast on the charters, battled some injuries, but he is a beast. And he showed today. He beat up on the U, the UNI Panthers. The uh, Spencer Brown played today, so it was pretty cool. For a play, and drew a guy offside, so that was pretty cool as well. <laughs> he went in for a play because Deion Dawkins' shoe fell off, so that was he came right back out. But there were some bad play calls. It was really weird. Really not what you were expecting from a team that just put up insane numbers last year. Josh Allen, like we talked about, was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw at least 4,500 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, and only five interceptions. Or not five, uh, five rushing, plus, or minus, jeez. Around five rushing touchdowns. Or more than five rushing touchdowns. They looked bad. They looked really bad. And there was one play. This is the play that summed up the game in general. It was fourth and one. You have, now I don't know his exact measurements. I'm going to look at, six foot five, 237 pound quarterback. 
who has more rushing touchdowns than Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott since 2018. And the Bills, fourth and one. My brain went to, okay, Isaiah McKenzie's in out wide, jet sweep. The Bills have done it a lot. Ever since Isaiah McKenzie's been a real, been instrumental in this offense has been with the jet sweeps and coming in motion and trying to confuse the defense a little bit. That's what he does. And I thought he was going to come in motion, take a jet sweep. And the Steelers had it blocked off pretty well on the outside. So I was like, ooh, probably don't do that. But they still had him come in motion. It's like, okay, quarterback sneak then. Just do the quarterback sneak. They did it earlier in the game. Do it then. And not only did they not do the jet sweep, and not only did they not do a quarterback sneak. No, no um, Josh faked the the reverse play to Isaiah McKenzie, the jet sweep play to Isaiah McKenzie, and threw it five yards backwards to more Devin Singletary. I almost called him Motor. Motor is his nickname. What? And when you watched that, it, you just kind of sit there and laugh. It wasn't anything it's like, what the hell was that? And my dad and I are sitting there watching the game, and he's like, only the good offenses, the really elite offenses do that one. Oh, yeah. Only the best offenses go backwards on fourth down. Because we were so confident that we were going to get that, that we decided to go backwards before we could go forward. When does pitch plays on fourth and one ever work? Unless you're the Cleveland Browns and have the best offensive line in football and Nick frickin' Chubb, who's 240 pounds, or he's probably not that big, but around that. When does that ever work? The Bills' run game the past two years has not been the best. Since Shady McCoy left after Josh Allen's rookie year, and he, uh, the year before Josh Allen's rookie year, the Bills haven't had a good run running game since then. When Tyrod and Nathan Peterman were the quarterback. And you know what? I'm just going to... Yes, Tyrod. Yes, yes, Tyrod Taylor. The Houston Texans. We got one prediction wrong already. The Houston Texans have won a game. Now, I think this is going to go downhill like the Jaguars thing last year. Because the Jaguars beat the Colts week one. And then they went lost 15 straight. And Tyrod Taylor today. You know how much I love Tyrod Taylor. I would never build a franchise around him, but I love Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a great dude. Broke the Bills' playoff curse. Even though I've said the Chargers missing field goals and the Bengals doing a miracle play got the Bills there, but it's Tyrod played his part. Do I think he's had an unfair career so far? To a certain extent, yeah, the Chargers thing was out of his control, but Justin Herbert's a freaking baller, so you can... And then going to the Texans, low expectations. They kicked the shit out of the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence looked bad today. Like, really bad against the Texans for a team that I literally thought would not win a single game. If they did, it was going to be this one at home against the Jaguars, who are also not going to be a great team this year. I ended up winning four games. I honestly think I could have done the one game for the Texans, given 3-15 and 15 or 3-14 and 14 and been perfectly content with that for Jacksonville. I am going 4-13. and 3-14, and 14, I feel like that can actually happen now. The Texans winning one game all year, I think that could happen as well. Tyrod played awesome today. I have nothing. Player of the week. I don't care. There are players that probably played. Like Kyler Murray was responsible for five touchdowns. Don't care. The fact that Tyrod Taylor and the Houston Texans won a game. That is your best player of the week. That's insane. David Coley has won a, a freaking NFL football game as a head coach. That 
is insane. <laughs> I don't care what Kyler Murray did against Tennessee and absolutely destroyed the Tennessee Titans. Chandler Jones had freaking five sacks today. What? So he's not hurt anymore? Good Lord. But Tyra Taylor, the fact that he just got the Texans to win. I don't care if it's the Jaguars. The Texans had below the floor expectations, like hell level expectations here. And they won. They actually won a game. I love it. Love Tyra Taylor. Love the win. But uh, yeah. And there's some, there's going to be some. There's them in every fan base, some stupid fans. I mean, you get them everywhere. It's not just one or the other. I think the meme is like Cowboys fans are the most stupid fans, but that's neither here nor there. You like to make fun of Jets fans, but they had the Texans and Jaguars game on at the same time as the Bills Steelers game. We were at the keg stands, the Buffalo Bills bar here in Des Moines. And those two games were on TVs next to each other. I'm not saying it happened here because I didn't really hear it. There is some Buffalo Bills fans that think Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. There might be some people out there that still believe that, just in general. But I think those are more based on other things than actual on-the-field things, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to get into that. But Josh Allen struggled against the Steelers today. Struggled, struggled, struggled against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know. The offense was just dumb. I don't... Off the line, couldn't do anything. Josh couldn't do anything. When the run game is your best part of the offense, you have some problems for the Buffalo Bills. I don't remember the last time the run game was their most important part of their offense, other than when Tyrod was the quarterback. That's been it. Like, a Shady McCoy was there, constant thousand-yard rusher. Not since he left. Or the year of Josh, Josh Allen's rookie year, that was when the Bills' rush offense died. And <laughs> the fact that Devin Singletary broke off two massive runs in this game was ridiculous. And, <laughs> oh man, they had some drop passes. Josh made some really interesting plays. TJ Watt was playing out of this world. Though, I'm not saying this is why the Bills lost. I do think it had a big part in this, though. There were two drives that were kept alive for the Pittsburgh Steelers that were, and I'm not going to censor this, were completely bullshit penalties. I usually I'll say BS. No, they were bullshit the holding call on Tredavious White on the interception that he had, bullshit. The pass interference on Levi Wallace, that's been, they didn't call that the entire game. Both teams were playing like that. Why did you call it there? And there's a pass interference. It wasn't a pass interference, but it was the same level of pass interference that the Bills had in the end zone. But we didn't call that one, but we called the Levi Wallace one. Though the, the first one was their first drive at the start of the second half. Led to a field goal. The pass interference for Levi Wallace is on third down and extended the drive, and Deontay Johnson scored a touchdown later in that drive. I'm not saying the Bills lost because of penalties, but those were two plays that would have completely changed the game. The Steelers scored 10 points off those penalties. And the, the punt thing was not ideal for Buffalo. That was a total another mess. Those were, those were BS. That, that was complete garbage. And I found my spider friend. He's back. I have a hammer next to my bed. I don't know why I have this hammer. Do I brutally murder, murder this spider with a hammer? It's been my weapon of choice because I have a crap ton of spiders in my room. That's what I did. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it. But yeah, I, I, I brutally murdered this spider with a hammer. 
I didn't like smack it hard. I just kind of set the hammer on top of it. All right, now we got to do the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit made this spider rest in peace. Okay, uh, I hope he didn't burn in hell. I hope he was. I hope he was a good spider. Actually, no, I don't screw that guy. I hope he's a bad guy. I don't want to kill good guys. But the man, the the Bills' offense stunk. The defense played well, but there was to a certain point where the defense just it was bend don't break mentality, and they played awesome in the first half. And then it kind of defense got tired. Najee Harris was pretty much rendered helpless. He had a new off the line completely that played decent. Didn't open up any run lanes. Ben Roethlisberger had a nice run. He had a, what was it, an eight-yard run. Ridiculous. Chase Claypool hauled in a couple big passes. Uh, just a not great game in general. But it, it was it's week one. It's week one. There's 16 more games after this. And you're playing a team that has a really good defense. This team has a good defense. I'm upset more in the fact that the offense just wasn't there. Non-existent offense for the Buffalo Bills in this game. 10 nothing after the first... The first play of the game was a 70-something yard kickoff return, and the Bills only got a field goal out of it. You can't have those and win football games. You have to come through with touchdowns in the red zone, which is what the Bills have been good at with Josh Allen as their quarterback. He's never turned it over in the red zone. He scores a crap ton of touchdowns, rushing and passing, in the red zone. It was just not non-existent. Ter- not a fun game. 16-23 to was the final. Not a fun game. Chargers, they got a big-time dub against Washington. And then Herbert played well in the game. 337 yards, one touchdown pass. But his draft partner, let's just say, everybody drafted in the 2018 draft class that played today played really well. Jalen Hurts played really well against the Falcons. Really well. Devontae Smith hauled in six passes for 71 yards and a touchdown. They killed him 32-6. Defense for the Falcons stinks. We knew that going into the season. But the one I want to talk about, and and Tua, they won as well. The Dolphins beat the Patriots. Joe Burrow, forget about what I said about the mental thing with his knee. This dude looked like he was fine. Joe Burrow was fine. And Joe Burrow is damn good. And Jamar Chase, we joked about it. During the preseason, because we had those idiots that were like, oh, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell hasn't dropped a pass the preseason. Remember those funny things they said? Uh, Jamar Chase is really damn good. And we knew this going in. But uh, for some reason, we wanted to doubt it for a little bit. You, people forgot how good this connection was and acted like the Bengals off the line was a complete train wreck. No, you didn't have Bobby Hart anymore. Automatically, it was a thousand times better. Place Bobby Hart with Riley Reeves, who's coming off a career year with the Vikings. That's an upgrade. Panay Sewell has not had the best time at this point in the NFL. And Jamar Chase just hauled in 101 yards and a touchdown today. And burnt. Absolutely torched Bashad Breeland, who had an injury. Don't know what it was. Ego probably had a Brock Purdy injury. And yeah, Joe Burrow's back and looks really good. Uh, Joe Mixon got a crap ton of carries as expected. A good, good amount of yards as well. Bengals offense looks good. Vikings defense. Uh, <laughs> their team just... Uh, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> oh, man, but Joe Burrow looks good. The 49ers, they beat the Lions 41-33. They were killing them early, and then the Lions came back in the fourth quarter. 
Jared Goff threw three passing touchdowns. Eli- Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers had a touchdown. Debo Samuel had him on the bench. Basically 190 yards and a touchdown. Didn't start him. Fantastic for Logan. And we lost because I left a lot of points on the bench. Him and Corey Davis balled out. And I scored the third most points this week still. But I lost because I played the guy who scored the second most points. Fantastic. One of three people that scored over 100 points. I'm the only one that lost. They're every game apart from that one. The losing team didn't have above 80. At least at this point. I guess I haven't checked recently. But they didn't have above 80 points. We had like a 50-point game, a 60-point game, and an 81-point game. So I guess above 80. But let's just say above 90. And I have 103. But Matt Gay probably has scored some more. So I probably have a little bit more than that at this point. But, oh my god. Debo Samuel, Corey Davis balled out. Congratulations to those guys, though. Zach Wilson made his debut. Today as well, against Sam Darnold and his former team, they put up pretty similar stats. I mean, Zach Wilson did not start off the game that well. If you look at Zach Wilson's opening few start, <laughs> opening few plays of the game, Zach Wilson passing in the first half, 0 for 4 on third down, 0 for 4 against the Blitz, 0 for 7 under duress, 0 for 4 against on play action, and 0 for 3 on deep, plat, deep passes, 15 plus yards in the air. Not great. For Zach Wilson. But he turned it around. Zach Wilson, I think, will be a good NFL quarterback. We said he was going to win rookie of the year. I still feel good in that. Mac Jones probably was the best rookie today. He played well against the Dolphins. He looks like Tom Brady out there. Just feels like Tom Brady, even though he's not. Just the aura and the preparation and that kind of stuff looks like Tom Brady. I'm not saying he will become him or is Tom Brady, but it feels like Tom Brady. Trevor Lawrence did not play well. Trevor Lawrence had the worst rookie day. But Wilson came into his own late. There were a couple really nice passing touchdowns Corey Davis. 258 yards, two touchdowns pick. Decent game. And he lost to a defense that's really young but really talented, and they got some weapons on offense, so don't feel too hard down on yourself. Darnold, 279 yards and a touchdown there as well. Yeah, just a loss. I mean, remember when we talked about Zach Wilson wasn't voted captain in college, and remember that was a huge storyline for some really God knows who what reason. He was voted captain in the NFL. For the Jets. The Jets voted him captain. Remember when he wasn't a good enough leader in college, but grown men trust a 22-year-old to lead their team? I smell something. It's called... Hmm. What does that smell? What do I call it? Is it bullshit? Man, it's almost like those those rumors are made up or something. Just trying to tank his draft stuff. Because we don't like him. Because he reminds us of Johnny Manziel. Remember that? Oh, yeah, that's what it does smell like. Remember the the unnamed AFC scout that said <laughs> he has character flaws, even though he won't tell us what his name is. He hides behind a fake alias. But, yeah, Zach Wilson's got the character flaws. But, yeah, him and Trevor Lawrence were both named captain. Lawrence did not play like a captain today. <laughs> Threw a few touchdowns, but uh, got beat up by the worst defense in the NFL. Ooh, that's kind of bad. But, yeah, Zach Wilson played better as the game went on. Trevor Lawrence, three passing touchdowns, 332 yards, 28 of 51. Not great. Not great for them. The Seahawks shat on the Colts today. Russell Wilson has a cannon arm. We already knew that. Cardinals, we talked about them. Kyler Murray, five touchdowns. Beast. I mean, we knew Kyler Murray was a beast going into the season. We knew he was going to have a, a nice year because he was a good quarterback. But after that, I don't know if it's exaggeration. They might do better than 9-8. and eight. The NFC West is living up to expectation. At this point in time, now the Bears-Rams game is not over. We got 322 left in the fourth quarter, but the Bears are down 13 points. I don't think... They're going to come back and win this game. So I think we can confidently say at this point at 9.54 p.m. on Sunday that 
the NFC West will be undefeated going into next weekend. Whereas there's one team in the AFC West or AFC East, one team in the AFC South with one win. And that's the, <laughs> the AFC South thing's the one that trips me out the most. The Texans are the only team in that division with a win. The Texans. The team who I thought were going to go 0-17 are the only team in that division with a win. I thought the Titans would win, and I thought the Jags would win. I didn't think the Colts would win. I mean, they're playing the freaking Seahawks. I didn't think that was realistic, but... Yeah, and then we got more games. We had the Browns losing to the Chiefs off a muffed punt. That's kind of what turned the game there. Browns played really well today. Tough. I wanted to see the Browns win. I like the Browns and just anybody beating the Chiefs. Being a kid that grew up in the state of Iowa with a few friends that are Chiefs fans, and then not only that, going to William Penn, where a lot of people are from Missouri and being Chiefs fans, and then not only that, Chiefs being good, and then not only that, the Chiefs beating the Bills in the AFC Championship game, and not only that, people sucking the dig of Patch Mahomes every chance they get. Like, we were watching, it wasn't the NFL Red Zone, but they had NFL Red Zone on. DirecTV had the, the sample package today. So the first week of the season, DirecTV had the Sunday ticket for free for the day. Or maybe we just swindled the game and we just got it for free for life. I don't know. We had, like, the base package. Andrew Siciliano was the guy there that was doing it. But they went to the Chiefs-Browns game, and it was like, look, you won't believe, or maybe you will believe, what Patrick Mahomes just did. And it was the pa- the 75-yard passing touchdown or whatever to Tyreek Hill. They, after saying that, he literally says Patrick Mahomes underthrew the ball and Tyreek Hill worked his way back to get the ball and scored a touchdown. Why did we, why does Patrick Mahomes get the credit for that? I mean, not... It's a 75 yards, a big pass. Big touchdown pass. But you can't go, you can't believe what Patrick Mahomes just did. He underthrew the receiver. That's all Tyreek Hill. It's like Kyler Murray getting credit for the Hale Murray. What? Kyler Murray just lobbed the ball towards... I hate how quarterbacks get so much credit for Hale Marys. It's literally just lobbing a ball towards the end zone. Like Aaron Rodgers, the greatest Hale Mary thrower of all time. Is he? Or does the receiver just catch it? You're throwing it to a, a sea of hands. You're not accurate in Hail Marys. You get lucky more often than not. And no, there's the old the old saying, you better be lucky than good. Better to be lucky than good. And I agree with that 100%. But Mahomes, you should, you can't believe what Mahomes just did. He threw a football that was short, and Tyreek Hill ran back under the ball and scored a great touchdown. That's Tyreek Hill, not Mahomes. That's what also pisses me off about the Chiefs. And I like Patrick Mahomes, but good lord, this is getting annoying. It's like, oh, you won't believe this. Josh Allen does the same things. I'm not saying to the same level, but they do the same things. Aaron Rodgers has been doing this stuff for years. Like, it's become a meme of if Mahomes was doing this. Yeah, if he did, if if it's not Mahomes, it won't get talked about. You won't believe what Mahomes just did. What, underthrew receiver? I can name 32 other quarterbacks that can underthrow a receiver. You want to have you ever watched Spencer Petras play? <laughs> like he'll either overthrow or underthrow. He's never consistent, apart from the Charlie Jones throw, which is why it's the greatest throw he's ever had. But yeah, the Browns tough one there. Patriots lost the Dolphins, like we said. Tua getting a win over Mac Jones and Jalen Waddle. The J- it's basically the Jalen Waddle Bowl. Jalen Waddle said Mac Jones was better, and Tua got the win. But Mac played well again. Two hundred eighty-one yards, touchdown in the game. Good game for Mac in his first start. The weirdest game of the weekend was the Saints-Packers. Uh, I'm not saying I'm surprised the Saints won because I there's always that possibility. I thought the Packers would win, but there's always the possibility that the Saints would win. They have a good team. But 
Jameis, what the hell was that? Five touchdowns with 148 yards passing? The hell? Aaron Rodgers, two interceptions? The hell? Aaron Rodgers loses by 35 points? What? <laughs> this is That is the weirdest game of the weekend. And the fact it was playing Jacksonville made it even weirder. I don't get that game at all. That is an anomaly. I don't think if you played that game 100 times, that would be the result of it. Not only did the Saints win by 35 against the Packers, the fact that Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions and Jameis Winston threw five touchdowns with 100-something yards. Now, there is the drama for the Packers. I went into the season going, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. He'll be fine. I've never seen Aaron Rodgers play like that. Never. I don't know how much... De- he, in the post-game press conference, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, whatever one, said... They got embarrassed. And Aaron Rodgers said, he'll use his words, I'll use mine. Like Aaron Rodgers does not like anybody there. Apart from like Devontae Adams and probably his teammates. But the coaching staff and the upper management of the Packers, he does not like. They benched Aaron Rodgers. I never thought I'd see that. They benched Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love. That is in, that is That's what put the final cherry on the top of this game. Rodgers got benched against the Saints. Good lord. There might this might be a bigger issue than what I thought it was originally. I thought it would be big or not massive. I thought it would be big. I didn't think they'd play like that. That was bad. That was really bad. And then finally we have the Broncos beating the Giants 27-13. Teddy Bridgewater's helmet, I think, fell off four times. Yeah, uh yeah. Jerry Judy, high ankle sprain, not great. But yeah. Football's back. Big. <laughs> Love it. We had a full weekend of football. Oh, and the Rams just scored 34-14. to Yeah, I've, we said the game was done already, but it's, it's even more done now. David Montgomery, though, 108 yards and a touchdown. And Matt Gay, two for two field goals, four for four extra points. That is fantastic, Matt. Let's see how we're doing in fantasy. <laughs> Are we still losing? All right, we cut it down to four points. 106 to 110. Matt Gay has... 12 points, but he still has Justin Tucker left, so I was losing regardless, unless Justin Tucker just doesn't make a single field goal against the Raiders. But yeah, 21.7 points and 22.9 points sitting on the bench. And Justin Herbert having only 13 did not help. Joe Burrow with 18 on the bench. Naheem Hines had 8.2, but I wasn't realistically starting Naheem Hines. Debo Samuel and Corey Davis were the two that I, I thought about starting Corey Davis today. That was the one I thought about the most over Clyde Jalair. Clyde Jalair at 7.2. Najee Harris at 4.9. Not not ideal. Not ideal. But, hey, I didn't score 57.4 or 50.66. So, I don't – I'm feeling pretty nice. I mean – oh, now I'm the second most. Now, wait. Okay, third most still. 106, and then the second is high at 110, and the next highest is 128. Every – I would have won every single game. Apart from one <laughs> at this point. Discounting my own, obviously. I would have won every single game apart from my own. That is BS. Pissed. <laughs> I am I am mad. My name is Logan and I'm mad. And I've gone over an hour. So let's try to wrap this up soon, Logan. Well, basically, let's just end it like this. Congratulations to BYU Houston, Cincinnati, UCF for joining the Big 12. It's a <laughs> replace Texas and Oklahoma. The Big 12 has spanned 
from just the Midwest than West Virginia to Provo, Utah and Orlando, Florida. How the... What? <laughs> and we're going as north as Cincinnati, Ohio, which, to be fair, is in, like, the southernmost tip of Ohio, so it's not, like, insanely north, but... What the hell is this... This play... BYU playing USF, UCF in conference games. I don't know. Why isn't Boise State in the the Big 12? Boise State leaving the Mountain West would open the door for North Dakota State to join them. Mountain West. Because I think North Dakota State... Well, before they make the big jump to the FBS, they're going to have to expand their stadium. I think that's one thing. They think they hold about 25,000. Which I guess on one hand's fine, but if you're trying to make big moves, you're going to have to expand that to at least 40 or 45, somewhere around there. So almost double the capacity. And it's a big jump going from the FCS, though the best conference in the FCS and the best team in FCS, to the Big 12. That's a massive jump. Even though the Big 12 standards have obviously dropped when you're allowing <laughs> BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF to join. Apart from Cincinnati, standards dropped. <laughs> Cincinnati's a damn good team. But when they join, they're not going to have Desmond Ritter there, so that's going to be a little bit less of a draw because Desmond Ritter is a freaking baller. And we told you that at the start of the season. Hope you listened to me when I said that because <laughs> he's a beast. And my preseason quarterback rankings for the draft, I'm glad I moved... Ritter and Strong up above Slovis because I feel even more strongly about that now than what I did when the season started. So my preseason top five quarterbacks, or top ten quarterbacks, read Rattler, Howell, Malik Willis from Liberty, who won this week against Troy, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels, then Matt Corral, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, and then Phil Yurkovic. And then now it reads, same players, just different order. Sam Rattler, Sam Rattler, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Keaton Slovis. Oh, wait. No, Carson Strong, Matt Corral, Keaton Slovis, JT Daniels, Phil Yurkovic, and Jaden Daniels. Like, that's not too far off. Matt Corral played awesome week one. I could honestly switch, like I said Friday, I could switch Ritter and Willis around and feel perfectly fine about it. I think if you're looking at, like, they can do pretty similar things. I think Willis has just got a strong arm and more explosive, but Ritter's bigger. Okay, that's the only difference here. But you could flip either one of those around. I'd be perfectly fine with that. They're two insane quarterbacks. And Liberty is actually technically ranked 28th. If we expanded the rankings to 30, they'd be ranked 28th. They got 52 votes to get into the top 25. We have some new teams in the top 25. Arkansas, BYU, and Michigan. So give yourselves a round of applause for joining the top 25. It's big stuff from you guys. Arkansas, love that Arkansas is in the top 25. My best friend Brian is going to be happy with that one. But, yeah, fun stuff. we got some big games coming up for you on college football this weekend as well. I'm going to try and do a betting situation or betting thing this weekend for our early on Friday show. We'll give you a whole rundown of games I think are going to happen. More than what we have. I mean, we did it this weekend, but I'm going to do it more consistently. But, like, Oklahoma, Oklahoma <laughs> against Nebraska, just looking at the lines as we sit here on Sunday, September 12th. Oklahoma. Against a Big Ten opponent, Nebraska, big-time organization in Nebraska, is favored by 22 points. For retrospect, so Oklahoma's ranked third. Nebraska's not ranked. To put it in context, Iowa's ranked fifth playing Toledo, or Kent State, and Iowa's a 22.5-point favorite. Nebraska is on the level of Kent State. How does that make Nebraska feel? Hopefully pretty fantastic. And on that point, I think we're just going to... 
I think we're just going to end it there. I think it's a great way to end the show. <laughs> Nebraska and Kent State are on the same level. When you look at the top five teams of the nation, and Oklahoma ranked third, Iowa ranked fifth, they're playing two unranked teams. Oklahoma's a 22-point favorite over Nebraska, and Iowa's a 22.5-point favorite over Kent State. That's <laughs> what's wrong. You know what, Nebraska? I know we make fun of Scott Frost. I know there's an impending FBI, or college football FBI investigation. I'd say look past that. I say, be the bigger person here. Just let for Scott Frost. He did some wrong. Yeah, sure, whatever. He did some wrongs. I say, we forgive him, we repent, and we move on. And we just work together. I am perfectly okay with that. I don't know if... Hey, you know what? And I'd also say, you know what? Adrian Martinez is on his 18th year of eligibility. I could see a 19th year in there for you. Just saying, Oliver Martin, I mean, he could transfer again. I mean, he's got like, what, 50 more transfer opportunities. Went from Michigan to Iowa, Nebraska. Might as well just keep moving west. Go to Colorado next. Might, hey, you know what? Colorado almost beat Texas A&M, fifth-ranked Texas A&M at the time. Then they dropped the seventh, so you know what? I love Nebraska football. <laughs> the gift that just keeps on giving. And on that note, I will see you guys later. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I apologize. Go and follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. And I will see you all later. Peace.